Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is the show where we share cutting edge strategies and acquiring leads and sales for your business through paid and unpaid traffic. So far, we've talked about the future of AI and machine learning with Classum. After the break here, we're going to get into more of the principles for managing AI. And the big question I think for everyone is, is this thing actually going to replace me at some point in time? And the risks and guidelines that you might want to follow as you start to use these tools will be right back after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddies Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. And I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. All right, we are back. Kasim. Let's continue on the conversation about AI. How do you work with it? Like, how, what's the, and what are your principles for managing it? I guess is probably a good way to segue. Yeah. So the very first, and I think the most important one is I never allow AI to AI automation. And what I mean by that is, let's say that you have two AI products. One is going to help with targeting your traffic and the other is going to help with creating the creative that you use to go after that traffic. What you want to do is you want to go from AI to human to AI. So the AI comes up and says, hey, based off of your products, these are the targets that we think you should go to. And then the human looks at that and says, great, or massages it according to the protocol that we just defined, where they iterate within the AI. 
And then once the humans looked at it and approved it, then they bring it over to the creative mechanism and say, hey, these are the targets we're going after. And the creative mechanism goes, awesome, here's the creatives. These are the videos, these are the images, et cetera. The reason you want to do that is because you actually need somebody that knows, hey, this target is viable and carries it over to, hey, these are the creatives we need. Because the output from the targeting is the input from the creative and this trash in, trash out element will be greatly amplified if the AI is talking to the AI. If the AI came up with the targeting and then instantly transferred it over to the creative engine, you now have this airlock where you at light speed are producing incorrect outputs and incorrect inputs. And it puts you in a position of zero risk mitigation. So until you trust your AI 100% implicitly with your life, I don't connect AI to AI. And there's a bunch of tools like this. We use a product called Pixis and they have AI targeting and creative and attribution and they're slowly rolling it out. And what's interesting about the way that they've chosen to deploy their products is you, they don't talk to each other and they're very clear about that. I shouldn't say that. They do talk to each other. They'll share information back and forth, but there's a person that looks at the governance models and decides, okay, this governance is actually working. We're going to put in a play and let, then let it run. And then overlaid on top of that would be the creative, but there would be a person in between those two things, making sure that the way that they're interfacing is um, congruent with your goals. So be really careful about plugging AI into AI because it'll iterate itself and then head off in a direction that you don't necessarily want it to head off into. So in this case, this is uh, like, how would a tool like that, which is an AI tool, govern an AI tool, which is Google? Oh, dude, that's what's actually crazy is I don't know that it can or that it should. That's one of the problems. There's a ton of SaaS products out there that are in theory meant to optimize Google ad campaigns automatically. And I'm not here to tell you that Google won't be optimized via AI. What I'm telling you is Google is being optimized by in-app AI. So if you were to take in-app AI and overlaid AI, I think that's a flawed model. And it, for the exact reason that we're talking about here, I don't think that you can have two ships traveling at light speed um, tethered to each other. Do you know what I mean? Like that's with one fraction of a degree variance and they're going to they're gonna rip each other apart. Mm -hmm. So instead, what I would use AI for is observation of the performance of the campaigns along a specific level of analysis. So how is the attribution, for instance, or how's the cross-channel permeation between what's happening with Google and Facebook, or how's the creative performance? And then the AI output there goes through a human lens, and then you get to decide whether or not you're going to deploy this. Because there, there are flaws within performance racks, right? There's a billion of them. Performance Max goes after brand traffic. Performance Max is heavy remarketing in a lot of instances. Performance Max is getting worse at attribution, which is crazy to me, and it'll get even worse once Google forces GA4 on everybody, which is already happening. So to have an AI-driven mechanism assist Performance Max makes all the sense in the world. But it would be assisting Performance Max along a specific level of analysis, and you would have a human interpret that data to make sure that it's actually viable and congruent with your goals. But if you were to just say, hey, AI-driven mechanism, go tell Performance Max what the real attribution is, like now you are asking for error to the nth degree. And there's no coming back from that, you know what I mean? Especially if you have heavy spend campaigns. Yeah, I think fundamentally people understand that the application i haven't seen it as of yet but oh bro i'm speaking out of the side of my mouth neither oh, have yeah. i bro i feel oh. like i'm playing with this stuff and i'm just thinking through the implication that's why i'm so mad at these freaking expert guru wannabe jackasses because they don't know nobody, nobody knows. knows nobody yeah. knows you're spouting off on something that we think this is going to be the case ai governing ai is a nightmare 
Yeah, That's why I really like this conversation. We need to understand philosophically what we're dealing with, and we need to come up with the rules for the approach. Because mm -hmm. if you have good rules, for, you approach a wild animal in a very specific way. And if you have rules for the approach, you keep yourself safe. But if you just dive right in there, and we're talking about damages that you can't come back from. And I think that's all going to be evolving. So the big yeah. question on everyone's mind is, will AI replace me? We referred to this a little bit in the start of the show, but what's your sense here? Is this a definitive yes in some cases and a no in other cases? What's your take? Yeah, this to me is the artisan to the manufacturing plant. So if you're a copywriter and you write, let's say, two blogs a day is your re required output. And I don't know if that's appropriate for copywriters. I'm just making something up. Sure. You're no longer the copywriter. You're now the middle manager of the copywriting assembly line. And you're probably pumping out 20 blogs a day that you review and approve. And you take that model and you amplify it across every industry that AI will touch, and you come back with a couple of things. The first one is the job is no longer copywriting, right? It's like a meta copywriting of, of identifying principles, correcting the AI in specific ways. So it's a different skill set. And the second thing you come back with is, does the ability to increase the amount of copy increase the need for copy? And I think that maybe while that is true, there will definitely be a ceiling. And so what that means is we don't need all the copywriters we have. That is a cold, hard fact. If we have, let's say, just to use round numbers, let's say there's a thousand copywriters in an organic ecosystem that is a representation of the microcosm that we currently exist within. I don't think we need 900 of them once AI has really done what it's supposed to do. And so what do those 900 people do? And that's a question to start asking right now today. You know, maybe you become one of the elevated middle manager copywriters, maybe. Or maybe you begin looking at different skill sets that, you know, aren't quite as AI-able. And this is going to be true for graphic design. It's going to be true for video editing. Dude, look at the product that you just showed us, CapCut. Mm -hmm. CapCut does in seconds what a video editor used to take hours to do. Yep. Literally, there's no hyperbole there. CapCut does in seconds what a video editor used to take hours to do. So now if I'm a video editor, I might want to start looking at what it is that I'm doing. In some instances, I think there's going to be half a decade of arbitrage. So there will be half a decade before businesses really get a handle on how to use AI, where the copywriter can just use copywriting tools, scale their output and make more money. This happened in web dev. Web dev was so freaking hard. I used to be able to charge a hundred grand for a website. Hmm. And as it got more and more accessible, and the note that I say is I get out of any, any industry once the Indians get good at it. Because a person in India can live on a full-time salary of $500 a month. And for a long, long time, Americans didn't want to work with Indians for a whole myriad of reasons. And so I was able to sell websites without having to compete with people that were offshore and could work for a fraction of what I can work for. But the minute they got good, I was out. And so I think that this arbitrage conversation is the same. I think for a short period of time, if you're a copywriter, graphic designer, creative ad agency, if you're doing traffic management, I think that the arbitrage is going to be in your favor because you're going to be able to use these tools and utilize them on behalf of your client, increase your scale and output, increase your profitability. But there's going to be an event horizon where the client starts to scratch their beard and think to themselves, man, what do I need you for? Mm -hmm. I don't really need the middleman. I need an in-house person who just manages this tech that you have. And while the tech remains inaccessible to the clients, you remain safe. But as soon as the tech becomes accessible to the clients, now you're, you're out looking for a job. 
And I'm not trying to play chicken little. I know if Jason Fladlin hears this, he's going to be like, dude, I just smacked you on the butt for this earlier. But I don't think this is an insignificant problem, Ralph. And I also don't want to bury my head in the sand. I don't think we're looking at mass layoffs right out of the gate and a bunch of people roaming the streets, depression era from a Steinbeck novel looking for something to do. But I do think that we're going to see a really significant shift in the labor pool in ways that might be difficult to contend with. I remember reading that Uber and Lyft are actually the largest employers in the United States with the exception of the government. And whether or not that's true, they're definitely massive employers, right? Mm. So an autonomous vehicle, as soon as that becomes socially integrated, like that is devastating to a specific labor market. That's all this is. Chat GPT and MidJourney and all these AI-driven mechanisms, as they get good, and that's really the question here is how long until they get better than you? And from that point, how long can you arbitrage them before people figure out that's what you're doing? And once those two fulcrum points have been passed, yeah, AI is going to replace you. And it's going to replace me. Like, I'm not above any of this. If you look at what I, if somebody were to follow a Google Ads manager around for a day and look at what they do for a living, it's so obvious. It's all due to computers taking your job for damn sure. It's only a matter of time. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's based on a freaking spreadsheet. That's all yeah. Google Ads is. It's input output. No. Is there intuition and creativity and a certain amount of genius required for it? Yeah. But that's why it's not automation that will replace us. It's AI that will replace us. Because it sure looks like is starting to develop some of those attributes. I still think taking the, I wouldn't necessarily say opposite stance, there's still going to be businesses out there, especially if you're primarily talking about like service-based businesses. The Uber Lyft one is an interesting one with self-driving cars, obviously, but like in the case of ChatGPT and MidJourney, like the copywriters and the designers and the videographers are right in the crosshairs. Being in the service-based industry, there's always going to be a large portion of people that are just never going to want to do it on their own, nor even have somebody internally to do it. And I look at this as a force multiplier, potentially in productivity for a lot of new businesses appearing out because they're able to understand the things that we're talking about here on this episode and then manage it and get even better outputs and actually create more that as opposed to everything being handcrafted artisanal style like now there's just going to be more of it i wonder where the end of like more content is like how much more content can you produce like we're hiring two more people to produce more content how much is more how much is the right mm -hmm. amount we know more is better at least that's what we've seen so far but where's the end of that and i do think that even if it's CapCut or if it's descript or if it's chat gpt or it's mid journey like there's always going to be a portion of every market that's not going to want to get their hands dirty and do it but if you're somebody who is in any of those spaces, now's the time for you to really get good at it. I was talking to one of our former sponsors here at Professional Traffic a couple of weeks ago, and they do blog writing. Mm. What's the impact going to be on ChatGPT? How is that going to impact their business? And instead of, no, it's terrible because it takes the human element away from it and all these other sort of old school strategies, that was their sort of their gut reaction. That was their knee-jerk reaction when it first came out. Now they're like, now we're actually actively talking about it and pursuing it and discussing it with customers and how we're actually going to do it and how it's going to make our output even better. But it's something that we're going to manage. And from a cost of goods sold perspective, like it might mean like that business owner might have greater efficiency and greater capacity from a people perspective, like people that they're hiring and actually writing the physical copy. And which might allow them to scale even more 
as opposed to digging their head in the sand and saying, no, everything needs to be manual from here on out. Like ChatGPT is here to stay. It's going to continue to get better and better. And if you're in one of those spaces, now is the time to actually really get good at it and become so good that they can't ignore you. So I look I at it. You and I are saying the way. same thing. I think it's a question of timeline. Mm-hmm. Like what you just mentioned about the client that you spoke to or the, the sponsor who does blog writing. Now they're leaning into it. That's the arbitrage I'm talking about. Right. And I think they'll be, able, they'll be able to lean into it for as long as it's easier for the client to work through them. Mm-hmm. The, then there's an efficiency ratio there. Right. Then do it on their own. And the yeah. day that tech, dude, look at Google. Let, actually, Google's maybe the best example of this. For the longest time, if you needed to know something, you had to go to the library, right? Like you had to go to the library, you had to pull books off shelves, you had to figure out the Dewey Decimal System, you had to look Mm -hmm. things up. And then one day there was just this little box on a screen and you could ask that thing anything. And it was amazing. And we all went to town. So... That'll, that, that, that was an event horizon for research. We're going we're gonna to reach that same inflection point for AI output. And I think that the arbitrage model is going to be a very viable model for a long time, probably, because it doesn't have to do, this is what's really interesting. It doesn't have to do with the ability for AI to progress. It has to do with the ability for a human to adopt the progression of that AI. And so as long as you're willing to be ahead of the curb and you're outrunning your clients, then you're going to be able to charge your clients, but they're going to catch up. And at a certain point, the arbitrage model goes away. And when that arbitrage model goes away, then the question becomes, what do you do? And I don't know the answer to that, but it's something that I think we need to pay attention to. Yeah, yeah, I think we do. And I think this is maybe a, an impetus for people who have sat on the sidelines and have seen this happening. Maybe I should get into it. Now it w- would be the time to start getting into it. You don't necessarily need to be the world's expert, but at least start exploring it because I think it's just going to become more and more powerful as time goes on. And on the advertising side, like we've already seen it with Google Performance Max. When is that point where the agency actually is no longer existing because businesses can can just do it on their own? I don't I think we differ on that view. I just think that there's always going to be an agency model and I look at it as like a way of increasing efficiency and output which from a business owner's perspective is a great thing. Mm. And so I look at it like this is amazing. And it also produces results which are pretty astounding which we've never been able to sort of see or do before like four or five years ago, even when six, seven years ago, and Facebook first came out with ads in the newsfeed, like stuff now is even smarter, learns quicker. Granted, costs and CPMs are higher, but as it gets smarter and smarter, our productivity gets better and better. We, we're able yeah, to do more. You and I have different business models too. I think that's really worth mentioning. Like you mm-hmm. do a lot. You guys do full funnel, you do post-click, you do multiple channels. Sure. So when a new tool comes out for you, like if there's something that makes Google more efficient, you look at that and go, oh, this is awesome. I'm a one trick pony, dude. All I do is Google. So <laughs> if it makes Google more efficient, I look at that and I'm like, oh God, I own a car wash and this thing washes cars. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm just like, and it comes to your house and it does it. And it does it for cheaper and better than I do. So at a certain point, I'm staring forced obsolescence down. Now, can I expand out and start doing other services? Sure. But that's a change in model. That's a pivot. And I think that's the question. Like, where do you go? Do you go for breadth? Do you go for depth? I think niching down into Google was a good decision. It's the reason that we're the best. I think we can deliver on Google better than anybody in the world. But it also put me in a position to be usurped the minute a machine can do my job better than me. 
you are safer, far safer, because you do multiple things across multiple networks that don't talk to each other. Google and Facebook will never, ever, never, ever, never talk. Ever. Never. They don't want never. to. It's statecraft. They're at war with each other. Yeah. So now that means that somebody needs to mitigate in between the two. And even if it's AI mitigating in between the two, it's not as though the AI would connect those dots and be able to manage them. So it would require an agency, to your point, to manage that in perpetuity on an ongoing basis. But that's a different business model. So I think part of my concern just stems from the fact that I'm on the ship that's first to sink. Do you know what I mean? It's me, the copy creators, the graphic designers. I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, it's not now. I don't even really think it's three years from now. I think three years from now, you're still going to need a Google ads agency, but you're going to start to see like our margins dip and the fees drop and and software enabled companies being able to, I've got a hundred employees, Ralph. Mm-hmm. What happens when some kid from Bangladesh can do what I do because he's got a really badass bot he figured out before I figured it out? I guess that makes you an Uber driver, really. Ah, that's the exactly right. The, at, the end of the day, at the end of the day, I mean, I don't think it's going to get to that. I think, yeah, we'll obviously see. If you are an Uber driver, like that's a real reality. Will I lose right. my job? It's on the horizon. Start cross-training and doing other things aside from doing what you're doing with Uber or Lyft because truck drivers just saw this thing on, I think it was like 60 minutes, like two or three weeks ago about all these truck drivers with all the new automation, which 18 wheelers are out there right now on the road. Yep. People don't realize this, but it's crazy when you actually no, do. Dude, I'm in Scottsdale, well, in, in Scottsdale, Phoenix area. This is where they tested all the autonomous vehicles. We yes. see them driving around all the time. That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. In the Boston area, like they would get, I mean, people would be killed in Boston just based upon the streets and the bad drivers. So anyway, but supposedly it, it mitigates all of that. But yep. who, who are the most pissed off? It was the truck drivers in the article. Like, why wouldn't they be? Final thoughts. As the world authority on now, we've declared that you are it. Like this is the go-to podcast episode for the future of AI and machine learning. Closing thoughts, anything that our listeners should understand from you, the guru. Yeah, go play with it. If you haven't played with MidJourney or ChatGPT or, you know, we're going to post that link to the 75 other AI tools. Yep. Just go tinker. You don't even have to use it in excess. But the nice thing about tinkering with it is it plants a seed that you can dream with. And that'll be what happens. You'll be in the shower, you'll go to sleep, and all of a sudden you'll wake up and be like, man, I wonder if I can use ChatGPT2X. Mm-hmm. My CTO just started using it for YouTube targeting. And it came up with phenomenal targets. Phenomenal. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, nice little shot in the arm that would have taken a couple of hours and bam, we have it in a few minutes. Right. So if you play with the product and you start figuring out practical application, then I think you're going to be putting yourself ahead. But I wouldn't worry about, like, oh, I need to be first because nobody's figured it out yet. And if they had, you would know. They would have already commoditized your entire industry. Yeah, absolutely. We'll leave all the links in the show notes here for that resource. It's pretty extensive swipe file. There's stuff in here I had never even heard of. But yeah, we'll leave that. Links in the show notes over at perpetualtraffic.com. As always, make sure that uh, you let us know what we can do better. There's perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. We do check that every week. Got some feedback from that, which I believe we're already starting to implement on the show here, maybe not on this episode, but make sure that you subscribe and leave a rating wherever you are listening and follow us, follow Qasim, follow Qasim over at Twitter, at Qasim Aslam, follow me over at LinkedIn. I will say this, (laughs) dirty little secret. Some of my tweets are chat GPT generated. I'm just saying. Oh my God. Some of the people liking your tweets are also chat GPT. <laughs> That's right. That's probably true. All right. So go back and listen to previous episodes. Like I said, we'll leave all the links in the show notes and resources over at perpetualtraffic.com. On behalf of the World 30 guru on AI and machine learning, Kasim Aslam. Peace.
Till next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic, 